0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Kentucky improves to 3-0. Survived a scare versus UT Chattanooga yesterday at Kroger Field. Derek, uh, what do you make of Kentucky through three games right now?
1: Well, um, it was it was not what I thought it would be. I don't think it's what anyone thought it would be. Uh, it, it definitely got to a point um, yesterday that it went from any thoughts he had about getting some work in for other guys. I mean, it quickly became a, a game that you not have to have everyone all, you know, kind of all hands on deck. So um, I guess the best thing you can say is that they they did get a win, uh, made a couple of plays late that they needed to, but, uh, I've, I've, you know, we're recording this at uh, about 11 a.m. Sunday, so we've had a little while to digest it. I've not gone back and watched uh, this game yet, but I guess, Sean, the one thing – I want to preface this. I don't want to sit here and ramble for 10 minutes. I wanted to get your opinion, I guess, on what – I guess what I'll ask is what things happened in that game that would maybe concern you for later? Because I do think there's a certain level – of emotional – and Stoops was saying it from basically Saturday night, last Saturday night on, that, like, they put a lot into that game against Missouri. So, I think that was kind of ripe for a letdown. I just didn't think it would be that much of a letdown.
0: Chris Rodriguez had no room to run. That kind of – that kind of concerns me a little bit. But then you have to go back a week ago, and he had all kinds of room to run. So, I don't know – I don't really know what to make of that. We've seen Kentucky – Run it effectively. We've seen them not run it effectively. We've seen them throw the ball pretty well. I don't. It just seems like the the balance has just been off to me. Like for we've talked about this offense being more balanced. They were really balanced against ULM, but it felt like you know Missouri. Obviously, they ran the ball a lot yesterday. Levis, you know, threw the ball a lot more against Missouri. I don't. I don't really know how if that's going to continue. If it's going to be a game to game thing. What was the total split yesterday with runs and and pass. Maybe I'm – I've not looked at it a, overall. Uh,
1: 35 passing attempts and 27 rushing attempts, but Levis attempted 28 passes in the first half, so he only yeah. threw it seven times in the second half.
0: And, and see, that's what – I guess that's what I'm talking about. I still think this offense is trying to figure out exactly – maybe it's ground and it's footing on to be more balanced. And I, I think by game six, seven, eight, this offense will kind of be more balanced within games itself. Like, I was surprised they threw the ball as much as they did in the first half, honestly. But then when you're talking about Rodriguez wasn't getting any room to run, I don't really know what you're doing. And that threw me off too early in the game when it's Cavassier smoke getting all the touches on drive one. I don't want to say anything about it either because they went down the field and scored. But it just it threw me off. It felt like a game where early I think they tried to get some guys going I just don't think they ever really gotten a rhythm after the defense allowed that score there early in the game to, to tie the score. Now, let's say that they don't score there. Derek, Kentucky gets the ball back, and they go up by 14. Maybe it's a different game. But at one point yesterday, I thought they were going to lose. And I said, this is going to be worse than Southern Miss. It's going to be the worst loss they've had, for sure, under Stoops. Like, this is horrible. And I, I started thinking, like, how in the world are we going to spin this <laughs> and talk about it? Thankfully, we don't have to, but I'll just I'll just ask you now, do, do you think Kentucky's good, or do you think that this was more just a trap game coming off the emotions of last Saturday, going back into SEC play? They've been hearing nothing but great things about them. Everybody talking about how they should be ranked. Kentucky's a top-ten job. Will Levis is this. Chris Rodriguez is this. Wandell's this. Do you think that that had a lot to do with it?
1: Um, On the topic of – if UK is good. Like I said, I would not underestimate, like there's a line here, like I, I would not underestimate how much that that Missouri game took out of them. Whenever you have a game like that, that I think they had circled since that game had ended last year. And then they get to the summertime, they see the schedule come out. They see Missouri's week two and it's sandwiched between two out of conference opponents. I mean, I think they invested everything from the offseason into winning that Missouri game and they did. And to hear Liam Cohen talk yesterday kind of owned the fact that he didn't think they prepared very well for he himself to not, like, prepare a very good run scheme <laughs> for that game. And then whenever they – it's like they almost treated it like a scrimmage. Yeah. To be honest, like, you're right. Caval- like, you don't even have Rodriguez out there to start the game. At least I don't think you do. I mean, Cavalier, I think, had mm-hmm. almost every carry that first drive, right?
0: Rodriguez was in for the first snap, and then he came off the field.
1: Yeah, so they were trying to get smoke going. Uh, Chauncey Magwood had a false start on the very first series, or yeah, like he was out there on the opening series. I don't think he even played last week against Missouri. So I do think, and and Liam basically admitted that they were just trying to work on the passing game, and I understand that. Like you, you want to work on some things that you think you're maybe a little deficient at before this game. I mean, you got a tough stretch coming up now. You got you know you don't go back non-conference until the next to last season, uh, next to last game of the season. So, we have seen them before uh, EKU 2015. They played very poorly. Probably should have, like, I would say even more than yesterday, they should have lost to EKU yeah. in 2015. They found a way to win. Um, 2017, they didn't – But here's what I'm going to say. 2017 against EKU, I think they were down in the second half of that game too, came back and won. The next week, they went down to South Carolina, played very well. Um, probably their best win that season. I believe that South Carolina team ended up winning nine games after the bowl. And then in 2015, they they lost the next week, but it was a Thursday night game against Auburn. They played fairly well. I mean, like, there was not a hangover from them playing poorly the week before against FCS opponents. So I don't think the preparation – like, I don't think you'll see them um, come out flat next week. I think they'll get back up. But the the things I want to say that we're through three games now and it's still almost too early to, like, make some assumptions – but, Sean, like one thing that will derail this season more than anything is is the turnover problem. I mean, they are, I think, minus six now on the season. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You cannot be negative in the turnover margin and expect to win very many games. I mean, you saw what happened to Louisville last year. I think Louisville was second worst in the country. They did not have terrible talent last year at Louisville, and they had a very poor season. And a huge reason was because they turned the ball over so much.
0: Yeah. The, the only – the good news to me – if you're a Kentucky fan, is had they played South Carolina yesterday, they would have lost. If that had been an SEC game, they would have lost that game. So that's that's a good thing that this game was following Missouri, and then you get to jump back into conference play because you know that this is obviously going to motivate them again. The one thing that stands out to me, though, that I'm going to continue to be concerned about, and Mark Stoops said that he thought they had great pressure, no sacks against an FCS opponent. That concerns me, Derek, about a defense that has as many dudes back as, as what they have and all the experience that they have. That concerns me as we get into these, this part of the schedule where they're going to be playing Florida. They're going to be playing LSU. If they can't get pressure, and, and it's not just about pressure to me. It's about making plays. Now, I know Pascal got great pressure later late in the game on a play, but there has to be more created from that side, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, they threw it uh, – UTC, Chattanooga, they threw it 35 times. So, um I'm trying to do some math right here. And
0: they they had – they dominated time – well, time of possession, 32 minutes. An FCS team came to Kroger Field and yeah. threw the ball 32 minutes. That – that just can't happen.
1: They won uh, one of Mark Stoops' favorite stats, too, whenever you outrush an opponent. I, I don't know what he says the percentage of the times you win, but Chattanooga had 171 rushing yards compared to 102 for Kentucky I I mean one kid averaged both their main running backs and one kid only had six carries they both averaged over six yards per run I mean it was that that would be concerning to me and I think it goes back a little bit and Stoops has said this a lot if, if you were someone who listens to his press conferences he says it numerous times a year that you can't just show up on Saturday and flip a switch so I do think that that was this case like I don't think and I mean Cohen is probably a little bit more honest and you'll see a lot of coaches, but they – there's just no chance that they prepared well this week. and not – I mean, it's not the first time we've seen this with the Mark Stoops team where they come out flat. And, and I mean, there's almost – you can pretty much pick out any game per year uh, with a non-conference team where they don't really play that well. I mean, even the 10-win team barely – well, they ended up winning by a couple touchdowns week one, but it was ugly for a lot of that game. Um I guess uh, the, the turnovers are a huge problem. You're right at the sacks. I mean, I, I, I don't know what the defense ranks, maybe even pull it up in terms of total defense. But, like, it's it's been fairly disappointing, I would say, for the experience they have, what we presume to be the talent. I mean, we know the cornerback, is it's an issue. I mean, especially the depth. I mean, they have – they're trying to play two guys mainly, and then sub in Quandre Mosley here and there. Who Mosley was probably wouldn't even be a cornerback if they didn't have such depth problems anyway. He'd probably still be a safety. So um, that's concerning. Just all around defense right now. I mean, they got to find some answers. It just seems like it's it's too easy right now for teams. And and for the most part, like yeah, they got they got hit for a couple big plays yesterday. Probably more than either team. The first two games hit on them. I mean, they had a 48 yard run and a 33 yard run. Uh, Chattanooga did, that was concerning, um, but I guess, Sean, what are some things that, and again, it's, it's tricky. Cause I mean, three games, it, it's not, you know, it's, it's not nothing at this point, but it is almost still too early to maybe draw a whole lot of conclusions because they're not even really into the SEC schedule yet, but w- what are some things that you do feel like with this team will, will be good? You know, what are some areas that you do like about this group?
0: Not really an area. But I will say when their back's against the wall, they find a way to make a play, even through all the bad. Like the offense, UT Chattanooga takes the lead. They could have put a ton of pressure on themselves right there, Derek, and, and lost the game, made another mistake. They stepped up. Uh, will Levis goes, to, I think, 21 yards on a quarterback scramble on third down. Then they go to Wondell. They get a pass interference uh, call there. And then he they find, they find a way to get the end zone. I thought that is encouraging. This is an offense that – Missouri matched them, tied the game there late in the game last week. Kentucky's offense answers with the game-winning touchdown drive. They trail UT Chattanooga in the fourth quarter, lose all the momentum, boom. Offense finally puts it together, goes and scores a drive. Defense makes plays at the end of the game, interception. Yesterday return for a touchdown and then make the play at the end of the game last week against Missouri. I, I think that stands out to me that even through the bad, they're still finding a way to make plays and win. Now it's just about cleaning this thing up. Uh, but the one thing that I want to see, too, and, I mean, it helps. Epps had a touchdown catch yesterday. Cummings had a touchdown catch yesterday. Wondell Robinson with 14 targets. Like, I know Wandale's really, really good. Ali with eight targets. I just think that they, they need to get a third guy there. Somebody needs to emerge and, and spread that thing out a little bit more on offense because, like, let's say, let's say it happens. Wondell takes a lot of hits. Let's say he takes one, Derek, and he goes out of the game. We were at that practice that day when he got banged up and he was sitting there, and they, they looked pretty bad after he went out. So, uh, that kind of concerns me a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little – I don't – I think Mondale needs double-digit targets per game. Like, I think that's a pretty good number, what he got yesterday. He's actually the one area that I would say is, like, for real um, – he already has, I think, three hundred. I looked it up yesterday. I mean, he is he is well on pace. If he plays a full schedule, he is going to shatter what Lin Bowden. Like Lin Bowden had the best season. I think he had sixty-seven catches for seven forty-five in two thousand and eighteen. Uh, Wondell with the yardage, Wondell is going to surpass that fairly easily, I would say, if uh, at this current pace. Anyway, I mean, he's obviously he's had over hundred yards every single game. If he maintained that pace, he would you know have over thirteen hundred yards a season, which I don't know if he'll quite get there. I mean, there, there's probably bound to be a game where he doesn't put up huge numbers. But, I mean, I just think he gets targeted so much more because he's one of the guys that, that gets open. I mean, yeah, Ali sure. Ali had a pretty good day yesterday. He had the touchdown rush, five catches for 53 yards, um, had eight targets. That was good. But I, I don't disagree with you that they need to get someone else. I just think um, – I, I don't know that they've even really force-fed no one bill i honestly just think that he's just i mean do i think i mean, obviously he's levis's top guy so he's looking for probably every play but the throw the second throw that got picked off um there wasn't a ton of separation but a better ball and it could have been a completion like that was not as poor of a decision i thought as uh i mean the first one was bad it's really the first time this year we saw levis force a ball that just wasn't there um and I still – and I know Epps caught a touchdown yesterday, but I still feel like if there is going to be a third guy, it's going to be one of those tight ends. Most likely Rig. I would say. He had three catches yesterday, but they were all very short. It was good to see Cummings um, catch his first touchdown. And he had three targets. So, I mean, they, they targeted him last week a few times. So, I think he's coming along, but I, the run game is, is what's baffling to me. And you're, you're right, like, first game – it's like they didn't really need it just because they threw the ball so well. Second game, and maybe Missouri's defense truly is just like that bad. I don't know. But when you can line up and run three for 340 yards against an SEC team, like no one last week was concerned about the run game, right? And then mm-hmm. you come back this week and you barely break 100 yards. It's just very confusing well, as to what they are.
0: It's only a kick. A jump. You mentioned to me yesterday there was a key third down there late in the game, and and Michael Drennan is the running back. And it was what was the di- the down and distance? It was third down. What was the distance on that play? Do you remember like third and two maybe? On which one? There was a play there late in the game when they got uh, stopped. You, you looked at me and you said Michael Drennan's on the field on third down on third. Oh and yeah,
1: that, that, I think that ended up being the. Uh, I might end up being Levis's long run. Yeah,
0: it was. But just that kind of surprised me in that situation. We also
1: had uh, Austin Dotson and Jeremy Flaxon on that last touchdown drive. They ended up getting taken out. But, yeah, it was – man, it was weird.
0: And back to the, the receivers and, and targets, I agree. Wondell needs around that many targets. But I just think that if this offense is going to beat good teams, like really good teams, then it needs Ali. It needs – a Justin Rigg and Isaiah Cummings. It needs someone else, Derek, to to make plays. Now, last week, it was Rodriguez on the ground in addition to, to Wondell. I just think that they need that, to me, that second guy, whether it be on the ground, whether it be somebody in the air, they need that second guy that's going to make plays, that's going to keep this offense uh, moving because at some point, I mean, I don't think Wondell can do it all as we go through the schedule and they start playing these better teams. I mean, Florida and LSU and Georgia. They, they need someone else. But the, the one thing that I will say, though, is that you did have guys make explosive plays. Epps' touchdown was 20 yards. Cummings was 31 yards. So, at least they had those chunk plays that made that – those were big plays in itself. The, the two throws that – let now, Levis showed – he, he showed his weaknesses. He's still throwing behind guys across the middle of the field. There, they almost had another ball picked off yesterday that had batted up in the air. I know he throws the ball with such a high velocity, Derek. And if, those, if that timing is off just a, a hair, the way he throws the ball, the ball is going to bat up in the air quite a bit if it's not on the money the way he throws it. So, but the, the thing that stands out to me too is he, he comes back and he makes plays. Like the two throws he had yesterday, the one to one Dell down the sideline and then the touchdown to Epps, back to back throws, those were two beautiful throws.
1: I don't know how he didn't get drilled on that first one to Wandell. I mean, they, I, I can't remember how many. That, I think they might have brought eight on. I mean, they, it was, they sent a lot of guys on that third down and uh, he was pretty calm in the pocket, found just enough room and he, he found Wandell on a good throw. Um, I still feel like there's enough on this offense to have the, and you're right that they did. They had, uh, Levis had a 21 yard run, Wandell had a 39 yard reception. 20 yards, like you said, for Epson, and then 31 for Cummings, and they were just a hair off on a few other deep throws. Wandell could add a touchdown catch on the first drive. Um, Cummings was – I don't know whose fault that was. I do think the ball was a little bit overthrown, but it was almost like Cummings couldn't really see it in the air either. Um, but he was somewhat open. I mean, they were just kind of a tick off, and it was bound to happen. I mean, I think <laughs> – Levis's accuracy downfield through two games was was pretty incredible. I don't have an exact number, but it felt like every time they took a shot, they hit it. And that was bound to, you know, not happen. I mean, those are low-percentage throws for the most part just because there's so much that has to go right on them. But I think Wandell is absolutely good enough against – I mean, you know, you might run into a Georgia. I know LSU has two great cornerbacks uh, with Stingley and uh, Ricks. So, I'm not saying he's going to be able to, you know, run free on a lot of teams. But in general, like, I think he's a very hard matchup for a lot of teams – But I still wouldn't say anyone else, though. Like, even Josh Ali, I don't think, is, like, a very difficult matchup for a lot of other SEC teams. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, yeah, they need to find some more guys to get developed, but I just don't don't know that it's really going to happen for them this year. Like, there's still a reason they are recruiting wide receivers so hard in this class. I think you're going to see them at least one more transfer next year. I mean, I think you kind of have to be under the assumption that, you know, Wondell's on a one-year plan. Ali's probably your next best receiver. He's going to be graduating. So, like, that's an area for sure that they need to continue to address. But I almost feel like the guys that they're going to count on next year, outside of, like, Cummings, um, like, they're probably not even going to be around. I think Upshaw will help a lot next year. But I think that wide receiver room, you know, you got to hope that these guys you brought in can – can kind of develop, but it's going to be hard for him this year. Like Magwood at this point, it's played in two games. He had one target, but it was when Bo got hit that first game. So, like, it looks like they're trying to work him in, but he's not even really had a look when he's played with the first-team offense. So, I don't know what to think of him. Maybe he'll continue to come along, but – um I would have liked to see what Crowdis could have done because I think he was well on his way to playing. He would have been another guy with some speed that could at least put some pressure on the defense. And I guess he might still come back at some point. I've not really heard anything on him. I don't think he's even practicing yet. So, if he does come back, I, I don't think you can really count on too much from him at this point.
0: No, and, and one thing, though, that you can say is this offense, the passing game has already improved. So, what, they had seven touchdown passes last year, if I'm not mistaken, total? Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what Terry had. Nobody else threw one last year, did they? It and no, Gabe not mm-hmm. So, Levis already has seven touchdown passes. So, they've already matched what they threw for last season.
1: Yeah, I mean, he should go over a 1,000 yards next, you know, I'm assuming yeah. they don't get held under 200 against South Carolina.
0: One, one more thing, though, and this, this is what concerns me about the secondary and the defense is you had guys every time that we were at practice, Derek, like, uh, or Sean Lewis, standing out. We have we have we seen Rashawn Lewis?
1: I think he had one catch against the yeah. yeah.
0: So like guys are standing out in your practices against your defense, but then you don't see them in the regular season against two against ULM and an FCS opponent and then Missouri. That I don't know. That kind of kind of worries me about this defense as we move throughout the season here. Um uh, the defense was the the unit that we were kind of the most confident in, given what they had coming back, 10 seniors. We thought that they would – and they've not been horrible. I mean, they still make plays. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that when you look at – if we go pull up where they're ranked and stuff and total yardage and, and things like that, I, I think they would still be uh, pretty solid. But that might change here in the next three to four weeks if they don't get some things figured out. I, I've not got all the numbers pulled up there. I don't know if you hey, have – it
1: It's not been updated yet on uh, the NCAA website anyway that's usually where I go to and it's not been updated. So, no, I think you're right. I mean, college football week to week, it's such a reactionary kind of a small sample size sport. But do, has your opinion changed on final win total after yesterday?
0: No, I want to see what they do Saturday. If they look like that again Saturday, then yes.
1: I, I absolutely think they're going to play better um, against South Carolina. But But again, like they're – to me, like, the things you mentioned with the defense with the pass rush, like, it's very concerning. I think more than anything, though, you you just cannot live in the, in the minuses with the turnovers. And that will get you beat. You know, Kentucky's not going to be able to turn the ball over three times a game and expect to beat any any good team. I mean, you can still get the bowl, you know, the – Winning three more games on the schedule should not be hard to do, but I mean, everybody had higher expectations than that. And if, you know, you're, I, I think it's going to be a hard time even getting to eight wins if they continue to turn the ball over at this pace and they don't force enough turnovers. So those two things have to, well, I mean, you, you can live with one or two turnovers a game, but you can't, I mean, minus six against the teams that they've played is, is pretty bad.
0: Well, and here's, here's the difference too, that you look at. So, they turned it over three times yesterday. That gave UT Chattanooga 12 points, which means they held the field goals on a couple of times. They're, they're not going to do that against the, the great teams. They're not going to do that against the Floridas. They're not going to do that against the Georgias, the LSU. If they turn the ball over, those teams are going to make them pay and not pay with three. They're going to make them pay with six. That's what's got to get cleaned up. That, if this yeah. team has any shot at getting to that non-win mark or beyond, they've got to clean up the mistakes eight penalties 60 yards three turnovers 12 points off those turnovers that they've got to, they've got to be they've got to be better
1: that was just sloppy yesterday it, was, just, it was bad oh.
0: honestly since I've been covering the program it's the most boring game I think I've ever set and covered like at <sighs> one time at one time there was a grasshopper that landed on the press box window in front of me and I watched it for like five minutes.
1: There, um, <laughs> there, there were some, there was some good news yesterday, um, and it was very much out of nowhere. Yes, uh, Tyrese Fearby, a four-star defensive end, which is obviously an area of need in this class. He's out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, kind of out of nowhere, committed to UK, and uh, this is a very significant commitment. He is uh, the second highest-rated guy now in the composite. He's one eighty-two overall. Uh, with a 0.9264 rating. This is very good. I mean, that's uh you pair him a Keaton Wade, that's two very good guys on the edge for this defense. There there is some thought, and I don't want, you know, I don't want my words to get twisted, me saying that this kid's not gonna sign with UK. There is some thought from people who have covered him in other markets for a long time is that he's, you know, they they're not real sure that he'll stick. I mean he's already decommitted once from Penn State. This is a second commitment, but I, I read, and I don't know if he actually made the visit, but I read that he was actually at Pittsburgh yesterday <laughs> before he committed to UK. So I don't know that he actually made that visit. I think he was planned to. Um, but assuming he does stick, this is a I mean, he's one of the better kids they've signed in the past few classes. His his point nine two six four, if you go to the current roster with the composite ratings, that's a top uh one, two, three, four. He'd be the fifth-highest-rated guy on this team. God. So, I mean, this is like a very significant commitment I, for Kentucky.
0: I didn't expect that yesterday. No,
1: I did not either. Uh,
0: leaving the stadium, I'm driving over to the the Fans First Fan Fest for basketball, and I get your Twitter alert where you had tweeted it out, and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that we were going to have to be preparing to, to talk about a football commitment, but no, man, it's a big one. And uh, you're talking back-to-back commitments that are big for areas of need on this roster. They need cornerbacks, got one. Uh, they need edge rushers, and they, they need those things, Derek. And I mean, it's good to see that they've got them coming in that class.
1: Yeah, and if he was actually at Pittsburgh yesterday, um, he did not see a very good performance. Because Western Michigan beat Pittsburgh 44-41 to 41 yesterday. So, obviously, Kentucky's performance wasn't great either. Probably happy that game was not easy to find if he didn't have ESPN+. Plus. So um I think that's about it for me though, Sean. I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about?
0: I think we, we that threw in some good
1: news there at the end.
0: Just uh, one note on Wondell Robinson there. Uh, Wondell Robinson tied Derrick Abney's record for most consecutive games with a hundred yards. Derek Abney did that, Derek, in two thousand and one in a stretch against Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. So, Wondell will have so a chance. So, he could set a
1: record next week, huh? He, he, yeah. can,
0: he could. Wendell will have a chance Saturday night in Columbia to break that record. And if I know Derek Abney, Derek Abney will be in williams Bros Stadium Saturday night to watch that game. So, I'm going to send Derek Abney a text today. Derek is a – I've been a pretty good friend of mine over the last five years. I've had him on other shows and talked to him multiple times for stories. I did a cool story with him two years ago with Lynn uh, about Lynn Bowden. So, I've not talked to Derek probably about a year. So, I'm going to reach out to him, see if we can get him on the show this week. I think that would be a good time to get him on. He's, he lives in South Carolina. So, he, he always – that's the one game he always makes it to, Derek. So, I, I know he'll be there.
1: Yeah. Also, some news. Um, SEC Nation will be at Columbia this weekend for UK-South Carolina. So, this is going to be a sellout, I'm pretty sure. At least they're, they're hoping it's going to be a sellout. It's the first um, home SEC game for South Carolina. Of course, they got drilled last night by Georgia, but I think most teams probably will. Um, This will be a very hostile environment Kentucky's going into, but we'll talk about that this week. We'll focus on South Carolina some more.
0: Yeah, and you, to me, you need to see Kentucky go down there and take care of business. It doesn't need to, you you don't need to have any doubt. Leave no doubt, and that gets you, that gets your mind right, ready for the next stretch of games.
1: If, If they lose this game to South Carolina, I mean, you're, I think it changes a lot of things. It becomes even more critical. You can pick up one it of those does. games in October. So, mm-hmm. And
0: we'll get into that and stuff. We'll get into that this week. Uh, I just now sent out a tweet for the mailbag. So we moved those to Mondays, so get your mailbag questions in. The mailbag will close at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Uh, we'll cut that off because we're going to record early, uh, probably more than, more than likely. It's what we did last week. But as always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by The Butcher's Pub, three locations, one in Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit the thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you this week on Kentucky Daily.